Hi everyone, welcome to the Genius Podcast. Um, this week's topic in the Genius Guide, interestingly, has been stress, which I'm always a believer that the irony of it is usually that whatever topic I'm writing about is something that a lesson that I need to learn as well too. Um, it's interesting, I think we all have different levels of stress that we can cope with and then it's when we're pushed above our sort of threshold as it were that's when we see the signs and we reflect back and we realize we were living with quite a bit of it anyway um and it was just the sort of final straw that broke the camel's back and and that's kind of how stress has been for me my experience has been that I have a capacity to deal with large amounts of it and in my life I've dealt with lots and lots of it um circumstantial and you know psychological I have like been in very stressful situations mentally and had to figure out how to get out of these situations or how to work my way through them and that's always been an amazing um and interesting challenge um but I think what that has done is sort of raised my threshold or my capacity for being unconscious to stress um and sort of feeling like that's sort of almost a normal uh, way of being um, and I'm sure many of us resonate just now that we're sort of adapting to the changes that we've got at the moment and you can kind of feel yourself amazingly I mean human beings are incredible you know we're the most fearful of change and yet we are the most adaptable and um, we adapt and habituate very quickly to new circumstances and new ways of being and then kind of almost view those as the norm obviously nothing about what we're experiencing just now is normal but we kind of do equilibrate and kind of go, okay, right, well, this is how it is. This is how I feel. Okay, this must feel okay. Um, and it's at those moments where we have that one little extra thing or we were talking on our group call today, how it can sort of be this cumulative thing that over time, you know, things build and things build and you kind of feel like, oh, I'm okay, I'm kind of managing it, kind of managing it and something else oh kind of managing it and then there's just something that just sort of tips you over the edge. I don't know if anyone else can resonate, but... Um, that's been my experience sometimes it's just one little thing just just too much unless we're conscious of it um, and unless we're sort of aware of it and so in the guy was sort of exploring you know what is what is stress and and what is what is the goal with this you know when we're talking about managing stress what is the goal and I know there's a lot of people say you know there's a lot of things you can read in articles that say you know have a stress-free life and and as much as I think that's a wonderful thing to <laughs> paradise i don't know where it exists everyone has stresses everything everybody has things the world is a chaotic place and um things happen so i think it's interesting to explore you know what is actually the intention when we're talking about stress and it's it's not the absence of it life will be stressful things will happen we cannot control them but the the thing i think is is interesting to look at is our intention really is to build the resilience to deal with stress and stop that accumulation of 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 stress happening we have to improve the ability our abilities to recognize it sooner um we have to recognize and learn the strategies to reduce um the effects of stress you know to to bring ourselves back down to calm ourselves relax ourselves um kind of combat some of the symptoms and some of the effects of stress um to build that resilience 
So I think when we're talking about stress-free, what we're talking about more is sort of stress resilience and our ability to not only just cope, but sort of manage it and be very conscious and aware of it. So the next sort of section that we were exploring this week was, you know, what is stress? Like what happens? What is going on? And when you have something stressful happen um, to you, you know, it can be something external. It can be these these sort of innate things that we are fearful of so falling or tripping or um you know something rushing at us very fast you know like a speeding car or something like that you know these sort of physical threats absolutely you know in the times when we were tribal lions tigers uh, anything that wanted to eat us basically was a threat and this is what the stress response was built for if we go back to the you know the first journaling exercises we talk about these these two fundamental um sort of functions of the brain and that is obviously to survive and thrive and to conserve energy and the survive and thrive is obviously you know in a lot of things that it does I mean it does millions of things it's a huge oversimplification to say it just does two functions but a lot of the, the functions that it does happen that do happen there is, um, is is under these sort of umbrellas of these two functions and the one obviously survive and thrive is what it's trying to do is protect you from threats, protect you from harm, protect you from illness, protect you from injury. Um, so it has these these functions uh, built in and these processes built in and the stress response is one of them um, in the event that you are in a stressful situation, i.e. you are um, threatened by something, an external threat or even a psychological threat, which is obviously in our modern society more common than the lions and tigers that we used to have to run away from. Um, that stress response kicks in. And what happens when we have the stress response is it triggers and activates um, uh, a system called the sympathetic nervous system. Now, there's two systems or two operating systems, if you can imagine, that your body sort of operates in. You have the sympathetic, which is this active alert phase, um, which is the fight, flight or freeze response. Or you have the parasympathetic, which is that calm, relaxed, um, slower, peaceful operating mode, which is ideally where we want to be. If you think about the other function of the brain um, is, you know, to conserve energy. That is a far more energy efficient way of being. You're not activating loads of hormones. You're not um, exciting and activating a lot of different parts of your, your brain and your body into alert mode using a lot of energy. So obviously in our sort of dormant, quiet, relaxed state, the parasympathetic state, that's actually the place we want to be most of the time. And that is where we think best. It's where we sleep best. It's where we connect with others best. We're more emotional, empathetic. Um, we can take the broader view. We can look creatively at problems. We, we just have a much better way of operating in that mode but when we are heightened into the sympathetic nervous system or is that is activated and we are in our fight or flight mode or a stress response mode um, we obviously fu function and send a lot more energy and attention to certain things so what happens in the stress response one of the things that happens is that there's a large amount of focus on making you more alert um, you have basically those full body sweats so you think about that um, you have vasoconstriction you increase your blood pressure you are re-diverting you know energy and you're releasing a lot more glucose in your bloodstream to your muscles so that that threat that is there you can your muscles 
muscles are fueled, you can get away, your heart rate's up, your, your respiratory rate is up, and that helps you escape danger. You can run for a lot, f- run a lot faster and for a lot longer when you're running away from something you're scared of versus when you're not because of these systems. And that is why they were built, you know, and at the end of the day, we are still our, our caveman ancestors in in these functions but unfortunately the threats um, that we have to escape from which were usually acute dangerous situations um, split second decisions we had to make you know saber-toothed tigers and whatnot running around um, we don't have those so much so the threats actually come from you know psychological threats or the anticipation of a threat which is where sort of mental catastrophizing and thinking overthinking things or churning or worrying or stressing about something that hasn't happened yet is is a psychological process and is a psychological threat as far as your brain is concerned and so when we think about these these systems this is what's kind of going on this is the stress response and i know a lot of us can probably uh, you know, empathise with that feeling. You know, we've had a thought, or we've all of a sudden had a presentation sprung on us, or there's all of a sudden a stressful deadline at work, or all of a sudden, you know, there's a phone call from your kid's school, and you're all you're off, you're panicking, you're thinking, what's happened? Is there something wrong? Or, you know, you haven't had that text message from somebody, and you're worrying about them, or there's anxiety over, you know, not being able to get hold of someone. These are all psychological stresses and psychological threats, and so this triggers this response. But obviously, as well, we have sort of chronic stress so we have stress that lasts over a long period of time and we have these sort of low levels of these chemicals and you know hormones in our system we have this you know low level stress response that I talked about this physical response that is just there in the background simmering away and that obviously has a detrimental effect because all of the effects that I mentioned that happen when you are going through an acute stress response to a threat an immediate acute um, threat that appears in front of you um, it's sort of simmering away all of the time and some of these to a lesser or greater extent. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see some of the ways that it impacts on, you know, your brain, your mind, your body, you know, this huge, huge raft of um, physiological effects. You know, we know them, you know, we know we've read articles about, you know, stress and the effect on the body, the effect on sleep. And then obviously when we're not getting sleep, we know the impact of the effect of sleep on stress. And it's a kind of vicious cycle almost. Um, and so there are a few things that we can do. And I kind of broke these down into three key areas thinking firstly about your mind and thinking about things that you can do to quieten those psychological threats and you know it's well documented there's a lot of research into like meditation and how to quieten your mind and really um, as, as my understanding has been of meditation it is incredible to just get a moment of solitude to just have a period of time to just be on your own without all of these inputs I mean if we think about our environment we are bombarded with inputs from news from social media from reading from um, text messages emails people talking at us all the time like when do you ever get when does your brain ever get a break from just processing and dealing with all of those inputs Um, and so sometimes moments of solitude or meditation or doing yoga and just getting away from all of those things um, has a huge beneficial effect and it also gives you time to reflect and think about some of the thoughts that you've been having and some of the thoughts that have been going on and maybe thinking about why they've come up for you what is it that's triggering them and start to unpick exactly what's going on um i've certainly found in the times where i have sort of moments of solitude and and to meditate or to just sit um you can probably hear there's a stream trickling in the background i've got crows crowing i'm sitting just out um halfway through my run just now um 
and just those quiet moments of just sitting um how much how many times or how many occasions do you have where that is the case in your week um and this is valuable downtime for your brain yes i know we rest when we sleep but your brain's doing a lot of stuff when it's sleeping as well it's processing those memories it's putting things away um you know consolidating those memories categorizing them Uh, it, it is busy at night so sometimes it's quite nice to be conscious and give your brain that little bit of a break and a little bit of space um to to think through some of the stuff that's come up for you think through some of the stuff that's made be stressing it stressing you um that's on your mind um oh there's just two herons beautifully flying past me right now that's amazing and and just taking your environment kind of ironic that they flew past right then um and just take a moment to just sit and be quiet and and be calm and i'm very guilty of of filling my days to be busy and it's an interesting side effect of chronic stress is actually that we will stay in the pattern that we find ourselves which actually is perpetuating stress and the best thing sometimes you can do if you find yourself when we talked about this on the call this morning is if you find yourself sort of stressfully going well I need to stay and finish these emails or I need to stay and keep churning at this thing and you're basically doing the same thing over and over again um, in uh, in some way trying to seek some sort of peace or, or something that once it's done then the stress will go away if you find yourself in that pattern and that's been an interesting thing I've I've when I've taken the time out to have a think about some of these patterns and when I show signs that I'm stressed, that's one of them. And actually, from a psychological standpoint, that is also what your brain does. Um, it sort of busies itself with doing something. But when you find yourself doing a pattern of the same thing over and over again, um, that, that is a sure off sign that you're, you're dealing with some degree of stress. Um, and so taking some time out and having an interruption, having a bit of a break and a moment of solitude where you haven't got these inputs, where you are trying to, you know, do some deep breathing to relax and, and trigger that parasympathetic, that relaxed mode in your body um, helps you with your problem solving, helps you think better, helps you work through the things that, and the thoughts. And meditation especially is one that is sort of almost training your brain to select your thoughts, to have more control over your thoughts, um, to quieten your mind, to give yourself that space um, and really promote you to, to get into that parasympathetic mode, that calm, relaxed mode um, so that you can, you can think better. Um, so to mum there is a few sort of things for the mind is sort of moments of solitude uh, meditation certainly helps journaling I am a massive fan of journaling I think if you have to if you have loads of thoughts going around in your head there is nothing better you can do than sit with a journal and just dump every single thing out of your head get it out of your head onto paper and then just you'll find you just write and you just work through it some people it's not their medium I get it for me it's massive if I go one or two days without um, journaling uh, my head feels full I feel like I I get stressed I feel like I get a bit wound up I feel I don't have a release to get those thoughts out of my head but also in the getting them out of your head you're not just listing them you're sort of asking the questions as to why and I, I love that sort of discovery element of journaling that you can sort of discover patterns you can discover where you're at with things and you can explore sort of why they're happening so that's a really good thing you can do as well um, and usually you know you're having a moment of solitude anyway you can't journal in a busy room full of people and things and noise and you have to go somewhere quiet to do it and it's quite a personal thing so um, that that's hugely beneficial for me anyway um, from the body standpoint certainly exercise has a lot of stress reducing um, 
properties. So um, getting regular exercise, getting your heart rate up, getting your breathing rate up, you know, your respiratory rate up um, has has massive benefits. We all know it gives you a massive boost of dopamine. It has a, a raft of positive benefits. And I certainly know when I haven't had a few days out exercising, whether that's walking, running, whatever, if I don't do that, I just, yeah, I notice the, the effects of that almost within a, a day or two. So getting out, getting some fresh air um, and, and getting uh, some exercise, getting that heart rate up is always a very, very good one and, and does cause a release of um, a lot of relaxing hormones after your exercise as well, which is obviously helping to promote that, bringing you back down to that calm calm state afterwards your body basically wants to be there as much as possible and and exercise obviously gives reason for you to be a little bit more alert a little bit more active and then you obviously have the natural sort of come down that happens after the exercise which is which is always good so that can help um, with that Um, deep breathing as well is a really great exercise to do Um, sort of box breathing as they call it Um, so this is where you you exhale and and um, exhale all expel all the the air from your lungs Uh, And then you breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, and then hold for four, and then back. So it's almost like a box, if you can imagine the four sides. So people do it for four seconds, three seconds, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, But it can be a really good thing to do to just take a pause. And again, just having those little moments of like five minutes to yourself, just in the middle of the morning, maybe, or after something stressful has just been, just happened or something. And you can just take yourself away and just do, you know, a few cycles of, of that kind of deep breathing. And it's diaphragmatic breathing, which means you push your diaphragm down and push your belly out. So it's not very flattering for us ladies but hey just do it it's much better deeper kind of breath that you can take rather than chest breathing where you expand your ribs outwards um so breathe down into your belly and and this can really help just sort of um from a body perspective sort of correct that because if you can remember the when you're in that active aggravated sympathetic uh, nervous system activation um, you're doing shallow breathing you're wanting to boost the oxygen levels in your blood in preparation for running away from whatever it is and so when you do this deep belly breathing your body's sending a message going well I'm actually breathing quite relaxed and quite calmly and quite slowly and in a very relaxed way which is more symptomatic of that parasympathetic um mode or state and so that's sending a message back it's sending a relay back to say look i'm breathing calmly it's okay you know these kind of things and so that's sending a signal and so that can sort of help as well um which is really really good um so there's just a couple of things you can do you know body wise that you can do in stressful situations or to help you manage stress um those are certainly good obviously the other one is sleep sleep is an absolute wonder drug if it was a drug it would be it would cure all ills um it would be amazing so have a think about your sleep practices we've obviously got the genius guide that we've we've got about sleep practices and different things that you can do to promote sleep uh, but it really, it really is an absolute superpower. So making sure you're getting enough sleep, good quality sleep, undisrupted sleep, um, and, and and that will make a massive, massive difference to your abilities to manage stress and also to help combat some of the signs of stress. Um, it's a huge one. just wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about our journal so if you've been finding uh, the things i've been sharing in the podcast really really useful um, you might be interested in hearing about our journal that we have that basically helps you break down any idea that you have or any change that you want to make and we take you through step by step how to actually make it happen Um, it is jam-packed full of tips on productivity uh, leveraging your habits creating effective implementation plans using your psychology to work for you rather than 
and against you um, and help you make some of those big changes that you want to make. Now, I appreciate there's a lot of changes going on at the moment and navigating those changes can be incredibly stressful and quite tricky. Um, so what we've tried to do is gear the journal a little bit more to help people with managing the changes that are happening rather than instigating new ones. But the skill set is still the same. So there's plenty of great tips, insights, articles, exercises. There's a whole planner section in there that's really optimized to help you be as productive as possible and help you put a little bit more structure into your day, which I appreciate with everything that's going on right now um, is kind of vital and kind of really, really interesting for everyone so um, if you are interested check out the show notes and you'll see the link there to sign up for our waiting list the other interesting thing um which sometimes with with managing these things doesn't get enough um focus i don't think is your environment so an interesting thing that I was looking into was the effect of your environment and how you feel. Um, if you can imagine you, we, I used the example, I'm, I sometimes I'm really bad for doing the washing up. Like, you know, late at night, you've watched a film, you're like, oh, there's just a few plates, it'll be fine. I'll go up, I'll do it in the morning. And then you come down in the morning and you just get a bit annoyed at yourself and you're like, for goodness sake, like all you need to do is just wash up these three pots and pans. Um, so you come into the kitchen and, and you just get a little bit, oh, you know, a little bit, not quite a full-blown stress response obviously it's not the equivalent of seeing a tiger or having a stressful uh email from your boss but it's just a little bit you know it's just a little thing uh the doorknob that doesn't work or the the patch of wallpaper that's peeled off that you walk past every time in the hallway and you're like i really should fix that one of the beautiful things you can do is fix it <laughs> and then what was a little sort of niggle or stress will be removed and if you think systematically going through your house think about little things every day that sort of stress you so they can be little things like that like doorknobs that don't work or sticky locks or the catch on the thing or the the weeds in the garden doing those things then it becomes a positive when you see it because you remember that you accomplished it you remember that you did it so it becomes a positive thing uh i was reading about this um, study that was released that, that was then used by uh, uh, City of New York Police, um, which was a no tolerance for petty crime and for for small uh, crimes such as like vandalism, littering, broken windows. And it's broken window theory is the idea. And the, the police commissioner in the 90s took this on and they had a sort of low tolerance um, approach to petty crime in their strategy to combat major crime and what they found was when they improved the environment i.e they painted over graffiti they tidied up the litter they got they enforced um people to make sure that they fixed broken windows they improved the look of the environment actually the, the serious crime rates dropped um quite considerably and you see this replicated in other places as well so there's some cities in europe where obviously where it's not um, allowed for you to chain bikes to railings um, but what they found is where one bike appeared and was uh, on a railings then more bikes would appear because people would go well that's okay so then this is okay um, so they would put their bike so they had a very strict like uh, no uh, sort of low policy for um, permitting that and they would really police it quite strictly um, because they knew if they stopped one then they would stop other things and then what they found was if there was uh, signs that people weren't adhering to the rules then people were more likely to rule break and so it's it's an interesting thing to think about in your in your home are there cues in your environment that are influencing you and stressing you and then that's making you stressed about something else and so by addressing those could that help as well and I think we don't think about 
those environmental factors quite as much as we should so it is definitely something to have a think about and have a look at so there are kind of a few things that in the exploration of um, looking at how to manage stress uh, we've been covering this week. I think it's a very interesting topic, um, very current for now, given the circumstances we find ourselves in. I know people are feeling very stressed um, at this time. So I wanted to really create a guide that was going to help people and give some real tangible tools and uh, kind of methods and, and things that you can do to help you combat it. Uh, as always with with how I sort of think about these problems is you need to understand what's going on first before you can actually look to address it um, and once you do kind of know what is going on um, then then you can find some key triggers you can find some key areas that you can make some improvements and proactively make some changes to help you manage it better if we don't know what it is that's triggering us and what's stressing us and also what's going on when we're stressed then it's going to be very hard to fix the problem uh, something that I've certainly explored is the that's very interesting for me is um because of this sort of uh, my threshold for stress i kind of almost see having a little bit of residual stress as sort of my normal state of being uh so when i'm not that stressed or when i do reduce my stress it almost feels a little bit unnatural and i know we live in a very stressful society uh and stress has stressful lives so taking this time at the moment to think about identifying some key stresses, identifying some key patterns and journaling can be a great way to do this uh, to explore what are some of your triggers, what are some of the things that really stress you out but also how does it feel in your body when you are stressed because the better you are identifying what's going on and how it feels and being able to recognize that the sooner you're going to be able to identify it and then take action um, to try and keep it um, to manage it really. If we're not 100% clear on how we experience stress ourselves, then how can you identify when that's happening? And we all know the common signs of it, but they're usually at the extreme end of the scale when things are really bad or you're very stressed. So I think it's interesting to explore what is your experience of stress on the different parts of the scale, on the sliding scale, and seeing can I stop it at a two rather than at a six when I've snapped at my partner or I've um, got really upset or I've eaten a whole bar of chocolate, you know, like can we see if we can see our patterns at stages like one, two and three and, and, and recognize them very quickly and take very positive proactive action. And my thought is that that's probably the best way to manage stress. Um, we're never going to completely remove it from our environment. We will have stressful situations. Um, but understanding our own experience of stress and understanding the causes and the triggers, our own personal causes and triggers, is a very important part of the process in starting to be able to manage it effectively. So I hope that helps everyone. I hope you're all having a good week um, and being able to enjoy the outdoors as much as we are able to in the current circumstances um take care and we'll speak to you next week